Welcome back to The Break Room and on Inside Marvel. It turns out Nick Fury's line about having a wife in Captain America Winter Soldier wasn't just a girlfriend who lives in Canada, but a real-life <laughs> wife who's a scroll. But in honor of our classic Paul Dano thumbnail that turned into quite a meme from New Rock Stars, does he know? Mm, does he know? <laughs> What's he cooking? <laughs> does he know what Thanos is cooking? Are we doomed? For destruction, mm. we are back in the Skrulls. This is Inside Marvel. It's New Rock Stars Marvel Reaction Show. I'm Eric Voss. Here with me are the West Coast Avengers hey. of New Rock Stars, Hector Navarro and Maude Garrett. Hello. Hello. No, no, no. I just want to point out to everybody watching at home in the teleprompter here. It says Bruce Banter. Oh, that's cute. Right it's been trademarked, though. It's been trademarked, it's, and you can't see it in the prompter, right. but it is in green in the Google document because this is oh, when we just have our banter and. You know, it's it's like we're made for this. Mm -hmm. We're we're always happy. Great to be back, everybody. Yeah. It's so good to be back with you guys. So too. I, I'm glad to be doing this uh, live in person. And as as you guys know, we are in uh, we're on the break room channel now. This yeah. this is going to be like all of our reactions are going to be. This is what the break room's for. Oh, we're in the break you. room right now. Yeah, it's our new break room set. And I'm so happy to be here with with Maude and with Hector. I mean, uh, just from Westeros Weekly, from WikiLeaks, you guys are my favorite people to talk about this stuff with. I'm super excited yeah. to have you here. Um, now, the Easter egg breakdown coming out on the main channel later today, maybe tomorrow. We're going to work as fast as we can to try to get it out to you guys. Uh, and Tommy and Jay's reactions episode, they did a live watch along. I don't know if it was live, but they watched it. Mm -hmm. Late night with like some of you crazies. That's when I was watching it. It's already out. So uh, check that out. Be sure to subscribe to New Rockstar. Subscribe to The Break Room. And subscribe to The Deep Dive. All right. Let's talk about what happened this episode. Okay. okay. So kicks off with the recap of the events of Captain Marvel. And it brings us to yes. the year 1997, which is two years after the Captain Marvel film, where we yeah. see a younger Nick Fury. De-aging looked pretty good. Yep. Really good, can I say. Yeah. yeah. Like... That technology keeps getting better and better each time we see it. And Marvel and Disney are like, yeah. we're going to keep using it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, we meet a young Gravik via a scroll named Vara. And then Nick Fury senses something in this guy. He's a survivor. He's a fighter. He does initially go, he's a kid. I don't want to use him for this sort of war or this mission. But we've also found out in the first episode that their aging is very different to Earth years. That's right. true. So That's like this true. kid, he's probably like 30 fighting ready to go but he just looks like a kid they, very deceptive they mature yeah. to adulthood very quickly and then they just kind of plateau for years and years oh, and years so like, so like, a, like a baby Yoda Grogu situation uh huh yeah yeah. yeah, I think humans, you know, they say even at 18 you're still a kid I mean, I think yeah. even late 30s you could still be a kid yep I mean, welcome to New York Stars. No, yeah. we, we, we have toys stuff. behind us <laughs> yeah. right now. And, and I've already up. complained about them. I've already complained about them. You They're not the most thing. accurate. Yeah, I'm like, no, that's not great. Uh, so, <laughs> Tillis makes a speech to this room full of scrolls, offers them hope in the form of Nick Fury. Uh, Nick Fury and Carol Danvers have promised to find the scrolls a new home in exchange for their help. Yeah. And we see Talos' wife, Soren. And the other adult scrolls step up, take human forms as Gaia and Gravik watch on. The little kids. So they've been mm -hmm. it from day one. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. right. And this is, it sets up this deal that Nick Fury has made. I'm going to find you a new home, but I need you to help me but secure. What grounds does he have to do it? Because he's Nick Fury, right? Yeah. I just yeah. It's like such a gargantuan task. I'm going to find you a new planet to colonize. It's basically like you, Carol's job because mm -hmm. she can actually zip around and find Correct. Um, uninhabited places. Yeah. But like... Me, one dude, can you help protect my entire planet I know, in I know. exchange for a new one as well? I think it, it, it's a little bit of insight into Nick Fury's mindset at this time. So we know from the first Avengers movie and even further back to like the first Iron Man movie, 
You know, you become part of a bigger universe, Mr. Stark. I'm here to talk to you about the Avenger Initiative. Nick Fury is obsessed with making sure that the Earth is protected yes. and having this Avenger Initiative, which we learn at the end of Captain Marvel, he calls it like the, the something else initiative. And then he backspace, 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 Avenger, because that was the name of the plane on Carol Danvers' plane. Yeah, it was plane. a call, or call sign. Call right? sign. And it's a great... Like very catchy, very marketable name word. So, um, so since the Captain Marvel movie, we've learned Nick Fury in 1995 became aware of alien life, and not just alien life, like threats potentially to Earth, the Kree, whatever. When so, when you look at sort of like what kind of threats you can have, people that can transform into another person, yeah, elsewhere, you want them as an ally, absolutely. And so Straight he's probably up. thinking, look, Carol bailed. She's out in space, and he's not going to hear from her, as far as we know, until he has to beeper her. In, you know, in 2019 when Thanos is attacking. So maybe he's thinking, okay, right now Earth is undefended. There's no other superpowered beings like Carol, at least that he's aware of. And that kind of becomes Nick Fury's whole sort of MO, modus operandi during the MCU is that he's always kind of keeping tabs on superhuman powers. people, yeah. powers, yeah. right? Tony Stark builds a suit and armor in a cave and flies out of there. And, and S.H.I.E.L.D. is like observing it because it becomes like, oh, he has like a lot of potential power. Yeah. They're, they're keeping taps on Bruce Banner for the five years that he's the Hulk and kind of running around and being a fugitive or whatever. So I think all of that's because Fury wants to make sure that these superpowered individuals are on his side. Yes. Scrolls are shapeshifters. They're enhanced humans. They're humans, but more. Of course, he's going to use that as a resource yes. while yeah. they're on Earth. I think it's interesting that he did this enlisting before he yeah. created the like yeah. the real Avengers lineup. Yeah, like he had for like at least a decade, um, like different scrolls that he was using in a network. And I, I was like, how many people in Shield have makes been you scrolls? think? Yeah. Makes you think yeah. there, there's got to be a bunch because if he's yes. the director of Shield at some point, and in 1995 he's already working for Shield with a young Coulson, mm -hmm. and they're kind of coming up in the ranks, and he's been working at Shield for six years or something, is what he says. There's got to be a bunch of shield yeah. agents that integrated are into scrolls. it. That's well, what I'm I mean, saying. Laura Barton, I think she could be a scroll. Ah. And I think Nick wants those who are um, allied with him specifically yeah. that he can call on. Maybe just in case Shield goes down. That's it. Which happens in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's like, kind of like yeah. Martin Sheen's character in The Departed. Like only he has a list of people who are out there who mm. are like working the field and no one there otherwise they have no identity it, it puts them in an incredible position of power over them fun fact the rat in the departed is the same rat actor in avengers endgame yeah that Yay. rat uh once a rat mickey mouse a... mickey it's, it's mickey it's, mouse it's, that's right yeah. <laughs> um also i think that nick's uh, nick fury deals with you know how can i have people that are um allied with me specifically and i think because it's bigger than earth it's not on his payroll it's on his currency his mm. promises mm. I will yeah, oh, yeah. you know what i mean so i For think sure. that he's yeah. absolutely biting off more than he can chew. Mm. And I think that that's what's explored in this episode. Yep. Agreed. We're thrust back into the immediate aftermath of the bombing. Dis uh. Disguised Talos throws Fury into the van, leaving Hill's body behind. Confirms she so died. Sad. They can't even extract yeah. her body out of there. They ha that has to be a big deal with uh, Brokered by Rhodey. But on the train, Fury and Talos play this game. I love this scene. Tell me Beautiful. something I don't know. Yeah. Such a well-written scene. We we learned that there are more than just a dozen or so scrolls on Earth um, that, as previously suspected, there are one million scrolls 
on Earth. At and least. that changes everything, yes. doesn't it? It, it does. changes the, yeah. the scale of this. Yeah. Has gone from a handful of people. Maybe they're a sleep agent. Maybe they're you know siding with Nick. We don't know which key figures that they could be impersonating. Yeah. Now it's a million. That's a million. It's a a, a a population the size of Jacksonville, Florida's worth of scrolls walking around on Earth. <laughs> Brisbane. And they're all living in Jacksonville. Having come from there, I know. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay, sure. Or San Jose. There's a lot of like one million cities that are mm-hmm. uh, yeah about the Philadelphia size of scrolls walking you know, around. You know, people right now watching in Jacksonville are like, yeah, thanks for the shout out. All right. Yeah. How does he know? How does he know? How Just from a character point of view as well, I really love that we're fleshing out Nick Fury, someone who has been yes. around since 2008, yep. but is very, but not one dimensional, but he's been very focus driven, mission driven. Yep. Um, and Secret we know him as guarded. Like, exactly. So the fact that he's having these incredibly human moments, mm-hmm. uh, talking about his history, talking about his family, mm-hmm. it's like we're, kind of relearning that he is a human with flaws, that he is, you know, imperfect, but he has a long, extensive history that's not just saving the world all the time. Yeah, Yeah. it's his experience as a black man in the United States and a a citizen of the world. It's similar to his conversation with Steve Rogers in the lift going down. The gun in the bag, right? We're talking about his grandfather, I think it was, Uh or was it like his uncle or something? But a gun in the bag, he didn't trust people. That kind of notion. And the fact that... You know, I keep calling him Mendo, but Ben Mendelsohn's character in this, Talos, he tells Fury, like, I believe that scrolls and humans can coexist. And Fury goes, no, we cannot. Trust me, I grew up in Alabama. Mm-hmm. The human race has too much prejudice for this idea to work, which is like so heartbreaking. Yeah. But I understand his perspective. I understand Mendo's point of view, but I also understand, I'm like, you got to listen to Sam Jackson. He might be on the something yeah, here. Yeah, experience. Here. Yes. But I also think because in this first episode, it was really drilled that Nick hasn't been the same since the blip. I yeah. think this is adding insult to injury yeah. where the blip happened and so many people were eradicated for sort of four years. Yeah. And now, and that Thanos' whole perspective was overpopulation will kill planets. Yeah. And now a million of another species right. is coming to Earth right. when the threat was this overpopulation. So mm-hmm. it's like Nick had Nick was the result of Thanos' ideologies. Mm. And now it's like that's kind of being absolutely disrupted by this invasion that's yeah. happening on the DL. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, always, I thought that that was really interesting. I think Nick feels overwhelmed. Like I yeah. think he was comfortable with the idea of scrolls existing on the earth if he knew everyone who was on that list. Yeah. But now he realizes, oh, there's what started as just 14 Dalmatian puppies. It's now 101 <laughs> Dalmatians. He can't handle all that. Uh, but but I, I don't think tel- uh, Talos was Talos. Talos was wrong at all because it's like, what would you have done in that situation? I know. No, he's, he's right. He's going to put his people first. And, and he's telling he, like, them, come to earth, come to earth. Secret, come like, to earth. Word is gospel here. You yeah. gave us your word. Like this is going to happen whether you are here or not. We're yeah. going to see it through. Also, to be fair too, I think I, we, I heard some scrolls say Talos. And then I've heard other people say Talos. Like if there's a Y it's in Moscow, there. Moscow, Moscow. Yep. It's also uh, Namor, Namor. Like there's mm. different pronunciations. It's Han, Han, Solo. It's okay. It's at, at ATA Talos. Team Walker. It's <laughs> okay. I think he just, okay. Yeah. So yeah. Um, so Fury and Talos part ways. As Fury heads to London to answer Maria Hill's mother, Elizabeth, for Hill's oh, death. Also good. A devastating scene. Such a good yeah. scene. It, you could tell it hurt Nick. He's normally such a stoic character. When she said, you're the reason I'm taking my daughter home in a, in a box. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, like that hit him hard. Don't let it be for nothing. You know, <laughs> great scene. Uh, we get to watch some news coverage of the bombing in Moscow, including yep. some sound bites from the NATO Secretary General, the UK Prime Minister, and FXN News host, 
played by Christopher McDonald, Shooter McGavin. Shooter McGavin. Great, great uh, Canadian character actor. I'm glad to yeah. see this guy show up again and again. Perfectly cast in the show. Yes. Uh, of course, they're all revealed to be scrolls, And we see this meeting of the Scroll Council. Another great moment, like how Nick Fury just has the worst opinion of humanity. It's just a... Just, intolerance yeah. and prejudices in yeah. our DNA. Uh, we see how Gravit kind of puts them on blast in this scene for saying, this is your idea of uh, the best of humanity is to destroy the environment and to wage war on each other, lock each other up in cages. Like yeah. in some ways it lets humanity off the hook for the past 20 years. If you have like scrolls have been our world leaders doing this, but I think yeah. he's just saying like, you have descended to the worst of humanity by trying to assimilate into them rather than using this opportunity to lift up humanity. You just fall into their depths. It, as soon as he started saying, I prefer dogs, I was like, hold up, let him cook. He's 101 right. Dalmatians. He's right. <laughs> he's right. He's about to he's about to drop some truth bombs. That's right. Dogs are better people than people. I yeah. 100%. Right. It goes into this conversation again is the longer you become a human, right. do you start sort of like yeah, living and breathing human ideologies? And Best if you've and got Nick Fury saying, whoa, 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 people don't get along. Like yeah. this has been going on for centuries millennia yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's in a human dna and now it's like you must be in your shell for a long time and it's like we're seeing the good and bad sides of humanity that mm-hmm. the scrolls are now experiencing for their first time in a way as well i'm hoping that just like the captain america the winter soldier movie revealed that hydra had infiltrated shield you know hydra being nazis and i think that that sort of like it's a great comic book storytelling trope that oh no we've been infiltrated by this evil organization and that's why things in the world are bad i think it let us off the hook a little bit and i'm hoping that this show doesn't fully do that but at least speaks to there have been some instigators in recent human history turns out they're scrolls and that's why things are as bad as they are but I hope that the, the story uses that as a metaphor to just really talk about how crappy some people yes. in our real world can be. And they're kind of like scroll-ish instigators and in what they're, you know, putting out there and kind of the, the yeah. Well, I mean, it's I, I see this storyline in a very different lens in a way as well, because it's like, I don't know if you've noticed this, but none of the scrolls are American. <laughs> uh, they're British or they're Australian. And or I, Canadian. Or Canadian, yeah, that's yeah, it. And I yeah. think that, you know, I, I am technically a legal alien. <laughs> so Welcome. like it's a boop on the nose for me here. Um, yeah. But it is sort of like really interesting to see that side of it integrating into a different you know country or in this case planet. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I just think that there's a, a very... It's different feel for me personally watching this. And at the, I, yeah. at the center of the story, you have a very American actor, Samuel L. Jackson. You know, yeah. what I mean, he's interacting with these other characters, but then also Don Cheadle, an American actor, an American character, that kind of perspective. And it's very interesting to see them. Oh, and we've taken out one of the Americans, Maria Hill, out. Yeah. You know, off of the the, the playing board. Uh, Everett Ross, an American Hold character. We did but... talk about the emotional impact that this has had. Yeah. How, how was that for you? Because I didn't feel as much, mainly because it wasn't on a big screen in like a movie sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the end of an episode. I, and at the end of the episode, I don't know about YouTube, but I also felt like maybe she's going to pull through in the next one. No, then she died. That hit Well, me. has she already been replicated somewhere? I think she's gone. I think the only scroll who replicated her was Soren. And I think by taking Soren off the table, I think that was the implication. But to your point, Maude, I felt more of the emotional impact with Marie Hill's mother. I did too. And and, and it's because I love these characters. I love the comic book characters, Marie Hill and Nick Fury. I love the MCU characters. But both of the characters, Fury and Hill, we haven't spent that much time with them. They've always been sort of supporting characters in the larger storylines. So she's also been very mysterious and stoic, and we don't know that much about Maria. Yeah. So to have her mom show up and have Nick Fury know her mom 
that is where the emotion is. I'm like, oh, these are real people. And there's accountability for the Account- first time. Love it. A lot of, yeah. you know, it's like, oh, 2,000 people died in the bomb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, you know, they're yeah. faceless, nameless. It was like when um, uh, uh, Alfre Woodard's character confronted Tony Stark in Captain America Civil War. Accountability. My son died in Sokovia. He was over there volunteering. He died in Sokovia. What about my son, Mr. Stark? And then that made him, you know, do his whole thing. So it's an interesting parallel to have yeah. the fear you have to deal with that. It's. I'm really glad uh, you brought up that perspective as an Australian mod because I think absolutely that is intentional to the show and the casting. And mm-hmm. the fact that of the people on that scroll council, we don't have President Ritson. President Ritson is mm. the American president. And I think the show already is making some interesting points on what it means to be human. Uh, And you can look at this from a lot of different perspectives, but to be human is to be flawed. To be human is to be paranoid, to be jumpy, to be trigger happy. To have love. uh, And to be weak, but also to love. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think, I hope by the end of this season, we will learn some of the positive aspects of being human and how that can uh, positively (laughs) impact the scrolls. What Marvel comics have been doing since the dawn of age. There you go. Um, And uh, I do love the scroll council meeting. We see the weakness of these scroll leaders, how quickly they're able to fold just by Gravik making a strong case. Yeah. Uh, and they basically, you know, they do the Palpatine. Total unchecked power. Yeah. yeah in other terms, it's unlimited power. Yep. That's never gone well. <laughs> like, that's yeah. never gone well. But I think that, you know, when all of those leaders who have immense power, NATO, yeah. Prime Minister, yeah. you know, they are um, superseding their power to one person who we have seen yeah. is very sadistic. You yeah. know, the way he's yeah. been toying with Nick Fury. That is a dangerous person to have unlimited, unchecked power. We're in a scary spot now, right? Uh, but one council member, member, Shirley's dissents, quickly informs Talos about what happened during this meeting. And Gravik returns to, uh, basically as a hero to New Skrullis. They're like, great, finally, we're, we're making a move. Uh, they applaud him. Gaia eavesdrops on the conversation with the scientist, Rosa Dalton and Pagan. They're harvesting DNA. We find out a little bit later in the episode what exactly they're doing uh, because she runs a search on the scientist, finds that um, a report detailing the DNA that she has. We see Groot. A frost beast, which not like a frost giant, a frost beast, beast. Okay. Uh, Cull Obsidian, and extremists or extremists. Yeah. Uh, we'll get more okay. into what Put exactly is going on. Put a pin in Put that. Put a pin in that. We'll come back to but, it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, <laughs> meanwhile, I think my favorite part of this episode is just the oh roadie scene. Oh my God. So he, good. He so t- good. Attends this uh, emergency security summit in London, attempting to de escalate the Moscow situation, threatens to carpet bomb Slovakia. <laughs> well, there was a bit of attitude happening there. I, I don't know if he was, he was joking to his aide or whatever. Like he joked about. He's like, I'm going to put on the suit and cover. Like, he didn't threaten uh, Slovakia to their face. He and look, like, if they don't have a sense of humor, that's on them. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's just interesting. Like, they're, he's probably thinking, you're barely a member of the UN or NATO, <laughs> right? But, like, yeah, I, I he, understand. He, this is a great scene because Don Cheadle as Rhodey, he has so much sort of dignity. And he's not letting himself get walked all over these other folks. But he's it was still, very America. It, it was, was such was, an American was, scene, right? But it was like the president a, doesn't even have to be here. Right. I'm, but it was still yeah. like technically with everything he was saying, it was still very like polite. Yeah. It was still like very diplomatic, but it was still like, listen, don't F with me. Uh, don't tell me that this is what's happening. And I almost expected him to say, I know Nicholas J. Fury. He's a friend of mine. I know Maria Hill. They would, but he didn't do that probably for political reasons, but he still basically laid down the law in a way that was like very America, but it was very like respectful to the world stage. It almost reminded me a bit of 
Black Panther Wakanda Forever, when Queen Ramona yes. comes in and she addresses like the US and France and they're talking shit on Wakanda and she lays it down like, like we have lost off. our king, but we have not lost the ability to defend ourselves. That was a, a fantastic I, I think scene. it's interesting that they sent not Secretary of State Richard Schiff, uh, they right. sent War Machine War, in, into this yeah, town. Like I think that yeah. was a diplomatic move by yeah. uh, by President, President Britson. Yep. Like we could send the Secretary of State the diplomat, but no, we yeah. saw how Ramonda walked all over Isn't him. It's so funny that he's yeah. now like uh, he, he he what is he Secretary of Defense, Secretary of State? We're not really sure what, what his he is. role is. He might be like UN or he might be a UN ambassador. UN he ambassador? could be um, the National Security but Advisor it's funny or something that like Brody that. Brody gets these uh, assignments, and I'm sure other countries are like, who are they sending? War Machine? Damn a guy it. named War Machine? Like, <laughs> but I also love the fact that we're seeing Rhodey in a different suit. And yeah, the suit right. is just as powerful. And mm-hmm. I think that that's, a, yeah, a really... In some ways more powerful. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, Don Cheetah was great to watch in this scene, but I think my favorite scene in this episode we're talking is this restaurant scene with Fury and Rhodey. We learn that Rhodey has actually known about scrolls for 15 years, that he was part of some, like, for your eyes only thing, and they didn't think it was real. He's still in denial a little bit. He's in denial. He just thought it was, like... He thinks it's small scale. He thought it was small scale. if we back that up a little bit, 15 years from when this story takes place, which we establish is either 2025 or 2026, we're going back to, like, what is that, 2010? Yeah, right? it would so, have been. Yeah. So it would have been probably after the events of the first Iron Man movie, yep. where he's Terrence Howard, but maybe around the same time of the events of the second Iron Man movie, or maybe a little bit before, 2010, so Iron Man 2. So when they're just starting to learn. About the large, but so like this roadie, if you go back and watch Iron Man 2, rewatch that and know he knows about aliens. Yeah. It's but crazy. It's also interesting <laughs> to think about how Fury knew, but kept this from the rest of the U.S. Yes. military establishment. And I think that this is what's important here, where information is so crucial. But because yeah. we're dealing in a political sense, this stuff is classified. Right. You mm-hmm. know, like huge life-changing events, huge bits of information is mm-hmm. classified. And then you still have a luxury to even choose whether you believe this information and the extent of it yeah. as well. So they, they bring up maybe calling the Avengers, but Fury says they cannot do that, which is, you know, some clever writing here. Yes. Because he says, if you bring the Avengers into this, they could get duplicated. I think it's just a smart move. It just takes it to the end. It's, it's one of the best. Yeah, because so many, some of these other things they say, like, oh, well, I don't want to bother the Avengers with that. I'm like, well, that's how big of a threat this is. I thought this was a great, great line. Yeah. But in general, the writing of the scene, Rhodey says, The reason we wrestled this power from mediocre men who don't look like us was not simply to turn around and hand it to mediocre men who do. Such a great line. Just to have these two men talking to each other and how, like, the way it turns on it where uh, uh, Rhodey just says, the reason why we're here is that I'm here to fire you. And I think it's really important as well where it's like Fury's looking to him as an ally. You need yes. to help me. We are at, in this at the together. Avenger level, mm-hmm. at the military level, but also at the we're both black men. Oh yeah, we both have this shared experience of both black men in the military and having to you know come up in the world that we've come up in. And Rhodey is in a way offended at that. Well, it's because of that it's, that I have that to, have to be exceptional and yeah. hold you accountable. And you know, I'm coming here as a courtesy. I'm letting you know you're out. And then Fury replies with, "Even when I'm out, I'm in." Such a Sorry. baller line. So like, just yeah, like the they're, mi- button. they're mic dropping each other in this scene. This yeah. it's, 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 it's a wonderful episode where the plot for the first and second episodes are really, it's very intriguing, yeah. but the, I think the highlight for the show has been the writing and the acting. Yeah. Just an episode two, I think was a step up for yeah, me. I enjoyed I, episode sure, one, but it was a sure, slow burn. Sure. This yeah. one, I was like, Oh, I understand what the show Great is. The choreography is amazing as well. I mean, I can yeah. get into that when it matters, but I also like, you're looking at fights here. Like there yeah. are, great physical fights, but there are really, really great emotional and word yes. fights as well. Yes. 
Word fights. So <laughs> Olivia Coleman, we haven't even talked about her yet this oh, episode, how great she is. Uh, her character, Sonia Fallsworth, meets up with the Russian mafia at a butcher shop. And her line about... Pay grade. And, and yet, yeah. I'm here, what does it tell you about me indoors? Like, <laughs> it's just so great. Um, and uh, they're interrogating the scroll bomb courier in this walk-in freezer. She cuts off his finger to confirm that he is a scroll. Uh, Effortless. And this is like, you know, we're, we're getting reminded again that violence is going to be a big part of this show. Like, yeah. we are changing genres here. This isn't yeah. a fun little superhero thing with explosions. This mm-hmm. is, I'm going to take out a torture device and chop your finger yeah, off. Yeah, I don't yep. think Captain America would ever do that. No. Uh, it's crazy. Um, she injects him with the serum to bring his blood temperature up to 160 degrees Celsius. Now, this is something that I thought was interesting because in episode one, you said we don't really have something that will take out the scrolls. Was Is this a liquid that only works on oh. scrolls? Oh, something with their DNA? And or so, like, they could start putting it in. Something that would also kill a person, but maybe a scroll is a little bit more resistant to it. It's a resistant to radiation, right? Yeah. Heat we, is a form of radiation. And we know that scrolls can die by just bullet wounds the yep. way that a human, yep. they're not bulletproof. Like, they are, I wouldn't say scrolls are in vulnerable they're like more enhanced than a human yep. with mm-hmm. their physical abilities and capabilities but not like um superpowers well so, we, we yeah. know they have uh, dna from extremist patients could this be oh. associated with that part of the same technology they were able to derive from aldrich killian's aim operation could be. we could talk about that more but the scroll reveals graphics plan to use alien and modified dna to make the scroll stronger so it wouldn't be marvel if we're not making a super soldier Right, right. And it seems confirmed now we're talking about super scrolls. Like they're they're variant on taking uh, like a Weapon X type of operation. Um, So what do we know about the alien DNA that they have on board already? Groot. Groot. Extremist. Do we want to get into that right now? Do we we want to talk about it? We can talk about that more. I want to get through the rest of the episode though. Gravik's uh, team has infiltrated this butcher shop, um, taking out the Russian mafia. It's absolutely brutal. It's all got hooks. Meat hooks. It reminds me of uh, um, uh, Goodfellas. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. It's Chainsaw just, Massacre. Uh-huh. But I love the fact that, you know, you've got humans and scrolls going up against each other. Mm-hmm. We kind of saw it with Maria Hill last time, but it's like, you know, it, that seemed a little bit more on par. Now it's just like, this is where scrolls outshine. And yeah. I love what they're doing with choreography um, with what does like a more super strength look like yes. fighting against a normal person. And we, we get that with obviously the superheroes. Yes. There's something about this that I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was fun. And that is essentially what uh, the scrolls are doing with the fracking pods. They're just keeping people on meat hooks and storage freezers, right? Yeah. Um, well, during this, Gaia slips out of the car and makes a phone call in Russian. And Sonya leaves the interrogation freezer via an escape hatch. Gravik extracts uh, the tortured scroll as they drive past their safe house. They get a police swarming. It's, oh, oh he actually did. Oh. Yeah, and perhaps, just so you know. And perhaps this was the guy, that might have been Gaia's phone call. Was yeah, about, I think so. Possibly, or wasn't so. the information that she got from uh, the interrogation. We don't really know, but they park in a forest and then we get, you know, uh, an Adriana Sopranos thing yeah. where, you know. Wait, well, are we home already? <laughs> Nearly. Leave the gun, take the cannoli. They shot that dude out in the woods. (laughs) woods. You only told lies, though. What happens to the human who's in the fracking pot? Do we not release that guy back to his... I think he's still alive, and they might go back and just kill him. Or they're going to have another scroll take over that that uh, oh, Americans against exactly. Russians guy, right? This they could guy. do that. They could do that. So you can never really die. This is the nerd yeah. effect again. No one ever really dies. <laughs> so the old Fury may have had his eyes open everywhere, but today's Fury has cars everywhere. Uh, Fury takes a Range Rover into the countryside and we see a scroll woman preparing food in a nice kitchen. I like that she's chopping up green cucumbers mm. in this thing. Violence. Green on Just green like violence. Green they were fingers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. They wear their green flair. It's like in Return to Oz 
You know, that's yeah. how Dorothy knew which people were the ones see if they had if they were greenstones. Oh. Scary movie that traumatized me. It yeah. was uh, directed by one of the best all-time editors of Hollywood. Anyway, he wrote the best book on editing. Uh, so anyway, Fury enters the house. Uh, some Otis Redding music plays. Try a little bit of tenderness. I rounds the corner though. She's no longer a scroll. She's turned back into his wife, Priscilla Fury. Uh, okay. She asks him if she's forgetting something. He puts on his wedding ring. They kiss. What a great smooch, right? Mm. And we fade to black. But I brought this up, this question. Do you guys think I'm crazy? But does Nick Fury know that his wife is a scroll? When you become intimate with a person, and I mean intimate. When you in when you know them to your mate? Inside and out. Yeah. If you catch my drift. Uh, you're going to know that they're a scroll. I mean, Scrolls make love differently than humans. That's all I'm trying to say. How do you know this? Where's the evidence? I'm kidding. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I think it's. I think <laughs> you're right. Making was different. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they said it. That's yeah. You, you see someone's true self at that moment, but I do think Their that there is penis. a weird alien penis. There were some lines right where he said he knows what a sexy scroll looks like. He's like, right? We talked about this. Oh, wait, what? There's oh, a, with good look. Yeah, when he's talking to Mendo, and he's like, oh like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm ugly ass scroll or something. Is I'm considered good looking where I'm from, and he's like. No, you're not. <laughs> right. I think like, so. there were some lines where he, it sounds like Nick Fury has a... But to me, I think Nick Fury's outrage in that moment that there were one million scrolls on Earth. I think mm -hmm. if his wife was a scroll, he'd be less outraged by that. I think mm -hmm. that might have That's said, a good point. That, that is a point. really great point. But I have to point out that uh, as far as far as my reading of it is, unless I'm mistaken, I, I, unless I'm mistaken, I believe that the character who is Nick Fury's wife was the scroll who was present in the flashback in 1997 who who brought in Gravik. The she young had a different name, Vera, right? Oh, okay. But that might have been her scroll name, and now she has the name of Priscilla. The Priscilla here. is the human name. And that name. just is her human name. But I just, my thing is, if you are a scroll, why would you put on this human form when Fury walks in? Doesn't that feel kind of. It feels like Mad Men, Betty Draper, I'm going to put on my nice oh, dress for you when you walk in, Don, from you your busy day at work. Why not present your true self in your what home about, skin? What, right? about, what about if she was a human? To keep up appearances for a second, because he comes in and she's testing to make sure that it's her husband Fury and not a scroll. Oh, and he says, "Aren't you forgetting something?" Right, and it's that like was that's a almost test. like the test. And then it's he goes and does the thing that he knows he has to go and do. I would believe that if in that moment he put on his wedding ring, then she reverted back to scroll form, see, and then they kiss. I just think it cheapens Nick Fury as a character to have something this close under his nose be. Like, potentially, you're right. Potentially. Or it reveals more of his flaws that he had someone mm -hmm. under his nose this whole time that he didn't. That is just not the same anymore. It's just not. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Cracks are showing. Mm -hmm. But I don't think he would be that outraged. I think that her revealing that to him would mm -hmm. be something that would make him be more comfortable with the idea of there being a million scrolls. I also think this is why he's dying on this hill. I think he does know. Oh, and this is why. Dying on that hill, right? Mm, sorry, hill. <laughs> sorry. Ouch. Too soon. But um, the, the fact that this is such a, this is really personal for him. Like he's vouching yeah. for the scrolls, not mm -hmm. because it's something someone that they've been working with for thirty years, not because he's made allies out of them, but because he's in deep. This is this is a personal thing yeah. for him now. And he I think loves a he scroll, and he and he, you know, yeah, he, yeah. And well, wow. I think, but uh, you're right. He did just say we cannot integrate in this level in this way. I know, it right. won't happen. But which That's, one is I mean, it, that guys? was such a powerful moment. I think that uh, statement, while true. I think it's going to be the the antithesis of this series that Nick Fury, through his relationship with his wife, is going to prove that human beings aren't instinctively intolerant; sure. that we're instinctively embracing. It, it, it's uh, not a mistake, probably, that I'm also thinking of Men in Black again. Yep. 
is right. that Tommy great, Lee Jones that had, great yeah. scene where he's talking to Agent J and he tells him like, you know, a person is smart, but people are dumb. Mm -hmm. So that might be Nick Fury's perspective mm -hmm. too, is that humanity as a whole can't do this, but I can be married to a scroll and live happily with this beautiful woman and we can live here on earth. Yeah. But a million scrolls and being public and you guys walking around well, and having to do, a you know. control issue. He had things under control yeah. because it was in a, you know, yeah. regulated sort of way that he approved. And now that this has happened without his approval and he can't contain it, yep. it's like it's just too, it's bigger than him now. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was such a sweet, I mean, Men in Black. I think we all have to watch rewatch Men That's in Black. That's great. One of the best written movies you of gotta the do, past Have you done years. that on the deep dive yet? Have you done that? I think we got to get to. Do the whole series. Because I have big problems just with the Men in Black one. 3. I have big problems with Men in Black 3. It's everyone's second favorite, but no, no, no. I don't think the time travel in that makes sense. Okay, before we continue, we want to thank some people who helped us make this episode and really give you guys the way that you can support us the best um, by grabbing something from nerdriot.shop. We just got our scroll designs from nerdriot.shop. Uh, this is an Invasion is Here design uh, where you have a classic Marvel character with their scroll identity that they're sharing the face with. Uh, we also have another design, totally not a scroll. You can get these over at nerdriot.shop. Um, I want that one. This one Ooh. is something that is specific to the Deep Dive collection. We have our little Vosmonaut is Aww. what we call him. Um, and uh, That's yeah. like your last name. It is like my last name. But yeah, these these scroll designs are really great. Uh, I'm going to be wearing these all the time to celebrate Secret Invasion. Uh, but yeah, it's it's really the best way to support us at, at New Rockstars Network. Everything we're trying to do. Uh, NerdRide.shop, all kinds of great designs. Hoodies, shirts, mugs. Uh, you can get a Dusty No mug. Um, yeah, <laughs> so please grab one of those over at NerdRide.shop. But let's get back into our discussion, folks. Okay. Um, what do we think is going on with Rhodey? Do we think he was bullshitting when he said he was just a human who got glimpses of the scrolls? Or do we think Rhodey might be a scroll himself? Both make sense. Yeah. And that's what's really hard about this entire concept. Yeah. I, 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 because I, I because don't know. he's not, he's, he's trying to, you know, ice Nick Fury out. He's trying to take, you know, and he's well within his right to do so. But I think you've got to look at people who are controlling situations and anyone who's not a scroll, they're on the out and he's sort of stepping up to kind of take charge of things. Uh, the fact that he was downplaying sort of like the, the fact that there are aliens, he's like, yeah, but are there? You know? Right, yeah. Right. That, that makes like, me think that he decoy, is. Yeah. And I think it's also interesting to know that last time we saw Rhodey was the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which I think he... By the way, Don Cheadle was nominated for an Emmy for that. And oh. I think even he was surprised. He's like, I'm surprised too, guys. I'm barely in the show. Like, But he was great. I mean, so far he's done better work on Secret I Invasion agree. than he I has agree. Fantastic. Yeah. But in that series, it looked like he had, if not the same, a similar position politically to what he has now. Like he was kind of rising in the ranks, whatever that was, before Falcon and the Winter Soldier in the story months before, eight to nine months or something before that, was Endgame where he was an Avenger. And he had been an Avenger for the five years while a bunch of other Avengers were dusted. But he and another group of Avengers were still alive. So in that time, he was, I feel like he was acting mostly as war machine mm -hmm. and less like a political, figure. you know, figure. So for, for him to all of a sudden post Endgame, be more of a Secretary of State or Secretary of Defense or somebody very important in the White House working with the President of the United States, makes you go, did a scroll replace him and then start to rise the ranks? Or was he replaced once he got that job, but a scroll wasn't interested in Rhodey until, because it's like, why would a scroll want to be War Machine other than being in the Avengers when you could be War Machine, who's also the Secretary of Defense? Like that might be more Who tantalizing. He's actually taking the seat instead of the president. Correct. At the NATO. Correct. So he's 
Like, this is the thing. If it's not him, it's probably the president, Britson. We've talked about that, right? If no, it's, if, he's if, not if it was scroll, President Britson, he'd be at the Ritson. table. He'd you be think? at the table in the council. Oh. See, I think the highest ranking scroll in the From MCU like is Val. I think the CIA director yeah. is a scroll. And I think, I think everyone else above her... Uh, is is a human who's just kind of naive about it, at least mm-hmm. in the U.S. establishment. Because you're mm-hmm. right. I think if Ritson was, he would have been in that room. Yeah. Wow, um, you make a good point. Well, then why wasn't Rhodey in the room? Obviously, they didn't want to spoil it for us yeah. watching yeah. the show. But I mean, if Rhodey is a scroll, they're going to have to explain what faction what he's in. Because he, he's not on Team Fury. Right. He's playing his own game. What happened in Marvel Comics is that anytime they revealed a character was a scroll there would usually be comics to then flashback and explain when they why? were replaced. Yeah. 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 Why and when. When, were, when was Hank Pym... Taken over as a scroll in the comics, and I you know, to go, oh, that makes sense now. Yeah, so from from that point into this point, so you can then go back and look at those comic books where it's just Hank Pym walking around. You go, that's a scroll. So Rhodey is post War Machine, sort of like full time, and now more Politico. If he's a scroll, my take is that it happened then, not that Rhodey has been a scroll since 2010. You see what I'm saying? I'm agree. like, I think it's been Rhodey. All the way up and through at least Endgame. Yep, I agree. Yeah. Um, and then post that, you know, yeah. we'll see. I think, the, yeah, the timeline would have to be more recent. Mm-hmm. I Man, I really hope that they reveal Hank Pym. I know after Quantumania, <laughs> I don't know how many of those actors are going to come back. Sure. But if somehow they can establish that the way he was able to get the sentient AI tech, isn't there something with those little green helmets he puts on ants and the same thing that they're oh. doing with humans and their memory <gasps> tech? I mean, kind of... Oh, uh, Hank Pym designed the way that they use the fracking be. pods? Could be. If this were the Marvel comics yeah. and that they actually had some real continuity and some real uh, geniuses <laughs> at the helm and building out this franchise as opposed to just just outsourcing it to great directors who don't know or care about building a franchise of interconnectivity because it's impossible to do that. It's so hard to do that. that Let him rent. Yeah, let him cook. Let him cook. You're right, you're right. Marvel Comics doesn't have that either. But there was an era in the early 2000s when you had Warren Ellis, when you had Brian Michael Bendis, and somebody with the Super War comics, with the Secret Invasion comics, were able to do some truly great crossover events. And we haven't had that in the MCU since the Russos were doing it. <sighs> but even the Russos, right? when you right? ask them, they didn't know what they were doing. Matt, uh, yeah. the Marcus and McFeely were just kind of flying by their seat of the pants. Yeah. They were in one of these rooms on the Disney lot with dry erase boards, and they just got lucky with which magnets they threw on the board, and it just worked <laughs> out. And that's why they pay them the big bucks. Yeah. Hey, speaking of which, let's talk about this, this DNA. They got yes. Kurt, yes. they got Colipsidian, they got Extremis, they got not a Frost Giant, they got a Frost Beast, yeah. which tells you they really took the, the C-level MCU elements and just kind of put them back in the mix now because yeah. who like, gives a fuck about Groot's DNA right now or Colipsidian well, or Extremis? They put them in the background of Shang-Chi. Extremis, who gives a fuck? Hang on a minute. A lot, a lot of things. Yeah. Like when you think about it, I'm sorry, Groot I'm cooking. regrows. A regeneration. That's exactly right. Yeah. And That's exactly when you right. look at them like extremists, it sounds like, I don't, do you know extremists from the comic books? A little bit. Is sure. he a heat kind yeah, of dude? Yeah, a little bit. Cool. Little and then bit. you go to Frost something something. Yeah. And then you've got, this is elemental. It is elemental. Yes. Holy crap. In the comic books, the Super Scroll, who it looks like this is what the show is eventually going to sort of introduce. Right. The Super Scroll originally was genetically engineered to copy the powers of the Fantastic Four. Elemental. You had the Human Torch. You had the liquid moving Mr. Fantastic, the Invisible Woman who was air, the Thing who was rock. So maybe there are, because the Fantastic Four don't exist in the MCU yet, yet we can see the the gears turning. Uh Since the FF don't exist yet, you've got Cull Obsidian maybe taking the place of sort of like the Thing with that kind of durability and, you know, that big... big, Groot is Reed Richards. Reed Richards. A little bit of that. The Extremis is maybe a little bit of the Human Torch thing and the Frost Giant, Cold, Air. I'm not entirely Uh, sure. Yeah, that one doesn't line up as well. But still, I like what Mod's saying about the sort of elemental aspect to these things. And I would say that 
Another reason that they might have picked these specific little pieces of MCU lore to pull DNA from is because they are a little bit obscure. Because mm -hmm. maybe the scrolls at whatever levels of international governments they're located in could get access to this stuff. And it's maybe easier to get a little piece of Groot sample than it would be to get like Bruce Banner's DNA sample. You and know what I'm saying? control as well. Like, Potentially. You know? yeah. and, and we got to think, so with uh, Cull Obsidian, it was probably his hand. When yeah, he got yeah. severed by Wong's portal. That's where they got Root, that. scraps of when Groot tried to strangle Thanos in Wakanda. There might Could have been be. some branches that, be. that fell to Dude the ground. Meet my friend Tree. <laughs> I am Groot. I am Steve Rogers. Yeah, there's little pieces of Groot everywhere. Yeah. Extremists, there was some rogue, there was that one fighting in, in, in the fighting club in Shang-Chi. Yep. 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 Where do they get Frost Beast DNA? I, I know. Yeah. The end of Thor, the Dark World. Featured That's a big, why I don't know. There we go. Oh, so <laughs> portals, the Featured a big up. portal fight, and okay. one of the giant frost beasts came through, and they even followed up with it, I think, as a mid-credits or post-credits scene at the end of Thor The Dark World, where the big frost beast was running through, like, London somewhere, where they filmed the movie. Okay. Then, okay. the very okay. next week, in 2013, on ABC TV... You saw an episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. where they're almost like picking up the pieces, like Coulson mm -hmm. and his team were uh -huh. picking up the pieces of this thing. They were dealing with an entirely different Asgardian storyline as well, but they were acknowledging the fact that this whole mess just happened in London. We're kind of picking up the pieces. And I think they even maybe showed the Frost Beast kind of running around, almost as though S.H.I.E.L.D. had to like round him up, yes. round up the animals. So, okay. um, scroll in Shang-Chi and yeah. in S.H.I.E.L.D. confirmed. Was there a scroll in Shang-Chi? Were you saying that that's where extremists was there? That they must have, there, no, someone there was knew a, that No, there guy. was a, in that cage match fighting arena. There was an extremist guy, there was a Black Widow agent. There was a Black Widow, and there was also Abomination fighting Wong. So that or, whole little yeah, fight yeah. club just had a bunch of different MCU style fighters. One of those being an extremist soldier. Mm -hmm. yeah. From 2013, and even Agents of Shield use like some extremist DNA. So they're 100 in Shield. Absolutely. Oh if, yeah, yeah. If they're not in Shield, that yeah, they're probably or whatever in is left of Shield. Because they're said, in Sword now. Probably. We've said you know Nick Fury has known Scrolls since 1997, 1995. Like he probably puts them in Shield. Yeah. So they yeah. were able to get the same way Hydra was infiltrated. They were able to get access to some of that stuff that way. I like that. Um, okay, let's talk about the, the Kree-Skrull war that's happening right now. It was alluded to here that there was people who died in that war, that that war is still a waging it, that they've lost yeah. every battle they fought in that war. Um, and what, they're not learning their lesson. They're really not, because they, they you know, pieces the way forward, just try to resettle and move on. Um, so does this prove that what we were talking about last week, that Sabre might be the U.S. putting their stations around the galaxy so that they can have a stake in this war and then keep Earth and whoever their allies are defended? Well, they Could sent be. out a signal, right? Yeah. And everyone answered who wasn't a Kree captive. And mm. there is absolutely no way that the Kree do not know that the majority of the Skrull are on Earth. You think? 100%. Oh, my God. You know, in the comic books... Earth is like the most important planet in the entire, not just galaxy, universe. It's pretty ridiculous. Like they keep coming up in every new comic book storyline for an excuse as to why Earth is so pivotal. This little ball of mud. Why it's so important to all the other alien races that are way more advanced, way more technologically. You don't, yeah. you don't see you don't see the other version of that where what? America is the most important country of in the course, entire Earth? Of course I okay, do. Cool, cool. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, that comes through. You mean American, <laughs> American exceptionalism in comic books? <laughs> yes, happens all the time. But... What's fun is that what Ma just brought up, that could be the excuse in the MCU. Why is Earth even involved in the Kree Skull War? It becomes a staging ground. Because all of the scrolls are there. So we might get that payoff in the Marvels. We might get the payoff 
in a later film. Maybe something like a future Avengers movie down the line or something. I don't know. And I think these pre- uh, preemptive measures that um, Fury has been taking to protect Earth yeah. is how he's going to get back in mm-hmm. from being fired or whatever. He's going to be like, guys, oh, I was, yeah. like, I've been protecting you. You mm-hmm. haven't even seen the greater threat. Mm-hmm. You're so consumed with what's happening here that you don't uh-huh. know what's happening there. Like maybe yeah. President Ritson is going to like award Nick Fury a medal and, and reinstate him after after the events yeah. of the show. Could there we... is something going on in the MCU, and I'm sure it's just probably incidental, but they keep establishing... Yeah, there's establishing... a giant damn creature in the Pacific Ocean is... we haven't talked right. about yet. He's got his hands sticking yeah. out. And they keep, Come like, on. in the Guardians <laughs> movies, they keep establishing that Earth culture is weirdly popular in other places, like yeah. like uh, the, the band that does, like, American rock music oh, when yeah. they discover <laughs> guitars on Nowhere. They mm. all seem to love Earth music and Earth culture. And so it's... I think maybe there is something to the fact that Earth was the one country that defied a celestial regeneration process. And that we have mm. we bear this scar, this big mole on our cheek in the form of Tiamat poking <laughs> out of the Indian Ocean. I think that it's given Earth a lot of respect around the galaxy. Like, wow, we've Could heard be. of celestials popping planets. You guys somehow Could stopped be. that process. Hector, what comic do you want to recommend this week? Really quickly, I'm so glad that I have this comic book because we were asking some great questions while watching the show. And Maude was asking about the sort of limitations of what happens when a scroll really does replace a human. What does that mean? What does that entail? I want to recommend this great comic book. This is a tie-in kind of to Secret Invasion. Technically takes place before the Secret Invasion comic. And this is Captain Marvel. Now, this is a male on the cover here, not a woman. It's a boring guy. But this is the original Captain Marvel in the comic book. It's a guy named Marvel. He's a Kree superhero. A good guy. Okay? I know we think Kree are bad, but this guy's a good guy. And in this storyline, I'm just going to spoil it because it's so good. A scroll takes over the life of this character, Kree Captain Marvel. He had been dead for years, so when he all of a sudden comes back, people are like, oh, you're back to life. It's secretly a scroll sleeper agent. Mm-hmm. Because he took over the life of the superhero, who's a very heroic man, by the end of this little story, the scroll decides to be a good guy and a hero. And you really get to see the impact of what does it mean when a scroll takes over. So highly recommend Captain Marvel. Uh, I'm going to try to look for some more stuff that we saw from episode two and the episodes later on as we keep watching this season to, to, to try to find some great comic book examples of the discussions that we're having. But I think that this is a great, great, great example of actually getting into the nitty gritty, a person taking over a, 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 hero. a hero. What does that mean? Can't wait for Ma to read it. Yay! <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Thank you for recommending that, Hector. Yes. And yes, absolutely. Everyone, read a comic book. You'll appreciate these shows even more. You'll have more opinions about them. I'll tell you that. That's um, true. Let's talk about the Scroll Council. Um, how is the council formed? Are there democratic selections? Do electors nominate them? Is it a rotating co-op? Uh, how does this really work? This is long game stuff for sure. They mm. are... Uh, picking people who have obviously positions of power, but it's their own their own sect. But I think how the councils come about is almost redundant if they can mm. all uh, shirk their power to one person. Mm-hmm. If they can just mm-hmm. like say we, we've got a general right now, the council in yeah. itself has become obsolete, useless. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. But I mean, how it came about. I mean, I think it's really interesting to know that in previous scenes where you see the, the Madam Prime Minister talking, when mm-hmm. you see NATO mm-hmm. and they're coming to a head, and they're all actually in on it behind the scenes. Yeah, that's scary. I also want to know what are the implications of constantly leaving Gaia out of these conversations? Right, mm-hmm. she wasn't allowed to enter the room. I think that's going to make her feel like she's not, she's an Aaron Burr, she's not in the room where it happens, and that's going to be a wedge between her and Gravik eventually. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gravik could have made an excuse for her and said, no, she comes with me. Yep. She needs to be in the room she's too. She's my protege. 
yeah, she's important. Yeah. Yeah, and it's also right now still leaving her in a place where that character could be redemptive, like you mentioned mm-hmm. before, Eric, because she's not fully a part of these decisions that the Scroll Council is making that are the very extreme and 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 horrific decisions that they're making. Um so that later in the show, I think that she's going to be like, wait, no, I, I didn't know that that's what you guys were doing. I don't agree with that. Yeah. I, I think it's, we have the Scroll Council. They are not behind this international plot of, uh, that Gravik has been orchestrating of different terrorist cells attacking mm. countries and getting countries to attack each other. Gotcha. And I think that shows that they're out of the loop. Because what Prescott referred to was an architect. I don't think he talked about a shadow council. He talked about one person yeah. who has been organizing this. That Gravic. person's Gravik. Yeah, you're and right. And I think the shadow council, the fact that they're not behind that, like that just shows like they had an opportunity to make some real moves. And instead, they're just sinking into their positions and getting these cushy jobs oh, uh, and, and just doing what humans would normally do in those jobs anyway. You I, know. I also think it's really important to note that the, the one who didn't uh, yield and didn't nominate the power over to the general yes. to grab it. Surely was able to stay alive. Mm-hmm. I thought she was going to die for sure. Hundred yeah. percent. I, I was like, oh, she's about a- to get shot in the head. Yes, and I think it's really important to note that they are still unifying over the fact that they are scrolls at the end. I mean, right. you know, at the end of the day, kind of like scrolls don't kill scrolls. And that's of. what happened in episode one with Talos. Yeah. It's like, hey, I said I had it. You didn't have to kill him. Like, yeah. please, can we stop killing all the scrolls, yeah. even if we disagree? But then didn't and she he... calls straight away. But then didn't Talos, Talos in episode one kill the Ross scroll? Didn't, wasn't that Talos that did it? Right? Because yeah. yeah. Talos was chasing him and then shot him. And then because, because the Ross scroll had the information that he was going to go back to. Like, there's just so much. And it said you're one of them. Yeah. And so that's the thing. It's like, are they going to start killing their own if they don't sort of, you know, subscribe to this extremist notion? But I did think that that was interesting that she was able to veto and say, no, I don't. I don't agree with any of this. And they went, great. You can actually leave and we won't. For now. I think yeah. give it a couple episodes. Yeah. There's going to be like or a Godfather, Michael Corleone yeah, moment so. where everyone who's on that council is just going to get executed. I agree. I agree. Also, the question I just thought of is. I don't agree because oh. they're already in those positions. They've got, they've, right. they've targeted like government. Right. So here's, media. Here's, here's my question I just thought of. If they, they, the scrolls were already in this position, the shadow council were already in these human roles in these positions, and they were already starting to do this antagonistic Russia versus the United States plan. So it looked like the shadow council did have the same plan as the rest of the scroll refugee camp and Gravik. It's just that we're saying Gravik was much more extreme. Mm-hmm. Yes. Were the were the shadow council members of the the scroll human infiltrators were they having those positions for a different plan, a different reason? Question, if they were at one point planning to publicly reveal themselves as scrolls to the populace of Earth, would those high level positions of human leadership that we know, would they then be like, no, 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 yeah, yeah, it's okay, we can trust scrolls. Like the prime minister, that guy on Fox News, like, was that their plan to kind of peacefully coexist? But Gravik is like, no, 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 we need to do this. But then again, why would the Shadow Council be okay with Russia versus the US? I think tensions versus war. I think a Cold War is what they wanted. They wanted a return to like Cold War era tensions where you have proxy wars like the Ukraine invasion, like the Mm. annexation of of Crimea and all these other things, but not open warfare where we're firing dirty bombs and nukes at each other. But why would they be okay with Cold War for their survival of their scroll people on Earth? Do you see what I'm saying? What would would the end game be? I think it's... Don't they want the nukes and the radiation that will kill off the humans and the scrolls that actually take over? I think it helps to have uh, these radioactive sites, but I think really it just kind of helps to uh, further the geopolitical balance 
to have these countries that are tense with each other. It helps drive up the capitalistic forces to have an arms race, the military industrial complex, okay. to have arms dealers who are building weapons. I think they benefit from the old era Stark uh, enterprises that's building missiles. Uh, and I think that's what Gravik was accusing them of is you're just like playing into the classic playbook oh. of just yeah. of a constant like yeah, yeah, Orwellian yeah. we're always at war with each other but yeah. not really you have trade wars and proxy fights I think that's kind of been the, the playbook and of Gravik American history in the 21st the century he just and he just wants to have one out. dirty war that wipes yep. out all humans so that they yeah, can inherit be. that earth could yeah. be and they recognize that Ooh. and they say, okay, uh, we can't really control you anymore, so you're in charge. It wasn't submit. even yeah. that. Um, Madam Prime Minister was just like, absolutely agree. Like, yeah. she's, he's been she's, in her ear. Yeah, right. Like, let's yeah. go. Yeah. I vote. Well. Surely call it. She's like, you're in on this. You got, yes. and you know. She yeah. said, well, let me finish speaking and I'll tell you why this argument is so good. And you're like, hmm, <laughs> finish your speech too. Uh, I think things are going to get real dirty in the weeks ahead. I think at yeah. some point we know there's going to be an attack on the presidential motorcade based off of trailer footage. Okay. So yes. okay. I think at some point this is going to come out in the open. It's going to spill out. And I think humans are going to be aware of the scroll threat. And I mean, that's what happened to Secret Invasion. Times Square has screens where Stephen Colbert and Barack Obama and John McCain turn into scrolls. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I think it's just a matter of time before that happens. It It is so interesting that this is all happening before the full X-Men have been introduced in this world. Because yeah. for many years now, comic book fans, people on the internet have been complaining, well, if the Avengers are accepted by humanity, how could the X-Men be rejected just because they're mutants? True, true. Yeah, you're right. Racism doesn't make sense. You're correct. Racism is illogical. It just comes down to that's what that is. But to add on to that, they, they could in the MCU say, well, after humans learn that scrolls have become this dangerous secret that threat and they become very public, it's going to make all of humanity very much more prejudiced, much more likely to, oh wait, now there's human beings that are being born with powers and they're going to take over. They're eventually going to make us obsolete, homo superior. Uh-uh, not on my watch. I don't like mutants anymore. So yeah. maybe that could factor into We have to deal with scrolls, but we yeah. draw the line at X-Men. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. Uh, also, is this genetic DNA of superpowers uh, being tested on scrolls, is that walking so that X-Men can run? Maybe. Or, or maybe it's just what they're giving us because they can't give us X-Men yet. So this is like Or the, the they can't X-Men. give us Fantastic Four yet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Um, it's, it's very interesting. Fantastic Four's around the corner, surely. It, yeah, absolutely. Look, Monica Rambeau maybe went through like a cosmic ray membrane to get her powers, right? She talked about that vehicle that was designed by a designer. We still don't know what engineer that was. It's probably Reed Richards. We are now <laughs> on a saber. friend who worked for the Air Force, right? Yeah, no, I think it could be Reed Richards. Could we, be Hank we've as got a Hank Pym could be. We've got uh, a Saber Station. We could get some Fantastic Four astronauts there, and then they get their powers that way. And we've already established that Kamala Khan, who's going to be in the Marvels, is a mutant. Basically, she's like kind of our first yeah. unnamed named mutant character. Then we had Namor in Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. He said he was a mutant. He yep. outright said it. Yep. So how this is all going to eventually factor into the MCU's version of the mutants? either before or after Deadpool 3 wraps up the X-Men Fox Mutants storyline with Hugh Jackman and Ryan Reynolds. We'll see. Yeah, I, I think we've had so many opportunities for Marvel to define what makes someone a mutant. Yeah. Uh, and they haven't specified it yet. It's it's like Namor had this weird process where he his mother yes. consumed the heart-shaped herb while he was in the womb. Yep. But like being in the womb and having things affect you is not a genetic process. Your genetics come from your parents and what you inherit at the moment mm. of conception and how that, that forms your DNA. So this would have been well after that. So I don't know. I think the MCU is, is 
pulling their punches right now and they're not there yet and there may be legal issues or maybe just the fact that some some legacy producers are still attached to any project that will have X-Men in the title and they're waiting for some kind of time to expire. <laughs> could, um, be. could be one of those legacy producers is not a very good person. Ryan Singer, and they have to pay him out if they do any X-Men movie right now. They don't want to do that. Uh, so I don't know. There's lots of reasons why it could be the case. But we don't have the answers right now. Not yet. Only and episode two. Only episode two. We'll find yes. out in episode three, surely. Surely! Hey, this has been a delight chatting about this series with you guys. It's so much fun. Uh, we'll leave it there for this episode of Inside Marvel. Remember, subscribe to all three channels, The Break Room, the main New Rockstars channel, Deep Dive. Uh, we're talking about all kinds of stuff uh, and doing some great analysis across all channels. Uh, but yeah, future episodes of Inside Marvel, this after show, will be here on The Break Room. And uh, be sure to check out the, the live watch-along that comes out early, early in the morning if you're one of us who watches then. Uh, you can follow me at EA Voss, follow Mod at Mod Garrett, follow Hector at Hector is Funny. Subscribe to Inside Marvel wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, please grab something from nerdride.shop to support us that way. And we thank you for watching. We'll see you next week, all you scrolls. Mm-hmm.